This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 25, for the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house! Ball poked away by DeJulius, diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett, fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three, good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight! The one-handed catch, hands it off to Marcus Jones. He has tackled it to 34, it. and it is over! Zero losses, zero doubt. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Hello, listeners, new and old. Welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats. Every once in a while throughout the summer, because we are in the off season. <laughs> Make sure to check us out on Twitter at VivaLaCatsPod and follow us on Spotify, Apple Pods, or wherever you listen. And also make sure to check out at UC Uniforms for all of the up-to-date UniTracker info from Steve. We're going to jump straight in to one of our off-season topics, uh, talking specifically about Miami. Um, Miami is a team that the Bearcats have been playing for, I think, well over 100 years at this point. Um, and as of the past two decades, the Bearcats have been beating ass. So with that said, Steve, is the rivalry worth it to be on our schedule anymore? Rivalry is dead. Kill it. Kill it <laughs> all. It's going to be over this year when we win again, take back full uh, control of the series, and it's going to be over. So uh, sorry, Miami, we had a good run, but I think it's going to be over. <laughs> More <laughs> seriously, though, and hello, Justin. Uh, thank you for welcoming me back. It's great to be back on Viva the Cats again and talking some Bearcats with you. I just don't see the future of this rivalry going anywhere, really, Justin. Uh, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but I I don't think it's going to be helping us at all in the Big 12. Um, I really think it was a detriment to us, especially like if we have to beat them by 35 every year and it never seems to be satisfying enough when we, whenever we beat them, like yeah, one, they don't care Two, We don't really care other than the five seconds after the game, when we ring the bell. Um, mm-hmm. And then three, like it was always like, even in our worst years, it was always like, we should, we still shouldn't lose to Miami. Like we still right. should beat them. And they blew their only chance to really beat us when they, when they lost the game right at the end in 2017. So yeah, I also have one of my best friends who is a Miami grad, and he's a, a lifelong Bearcats football fan now. Ever since he's been a lifelong fan since the start of the 2020 season. Like, <laughs> no, but uh, he, there's a lot he, of those out there now. He went to Miami, but he's like a big Bearcats guy, and like he he went to the IU game last year, and he was in Bearcats gear and everything. Like he was getting just as drunk as the rest of the as the rest of the UC fans that were I was there with. So you know what? Like it was. And he was, uh, he and he realizes like, look, it's it's not going to be the same. And Miami doesn't really show out for sports unless it's either hockey or they're playing UC in some type of sporting event. And 
I think it's like it's been a great historic rivalry, but yeah, I don't think any national media member is really going to be upset when like you know this event this series eventually ends, and I don't really see the point of having the series because. One, I think we're going to have nine conference games once we enter the Big 12, and mm-hmm. we need an easier game than my, well, like maybe Miami will be an easy game still, but like, you know, like we probably could use an easier game than that. And two, Justin, there was a report last year from Chad Brendel that was like very just like hush hush. It was on his podcast, it wasn't on his Twitter feed, but um, he claimed that uh, Miami set their regular starters for all of their non-conference games in order to save their their legs and like not get them injured for conference play and like mm. if they're thinking that as like part of even though they have a quote-unquote rival on their schedule first game then they don't think of it as a rivalry either so yeah i'm willing to move on from it and like you know just hold the bell i don't think they would be too upset about it like I think just from their barstool account, like they got more excited about playing Ohio State and Notre Dame a few years ago than they ever have about playing UC. So, right. like, I don't really see the point. So, um, enough rambling for me. What about you? Well, you know, I'm definitely with you. I think the biggest thing for me is the way that I look at it now, where the Bearcats are, um, you know, and this is not just looking at our own bias as like a self inflated ego. Like, if you look at the way the rivalry has shifted, like I said earlier, over the past two decades, it's been a blowout. And I think the biggest thing that if you really look close at the uh, structure now is Miami is the kind of team that the Bearcats should be paying every year to play in a non-conference game. Like, or, you know, it's, it's, we're one of those teams where we should be the buy game for, or or, sorry, they should be the buy game for us where, you know, it's not like a, it's just one of those easy games that you get on your schedule, you make some money at a home game, and you get on with your, you know, the rest of your season, play harder opponents somewhere else. Um, and it sucks that Miami will probably never be that large competition that uh, it used to be, um, and, you know, stronger competitor. But I think it's just at a point where, like, people are just getting tired of it. Miami is just that sort of, uh, I look at it as the uh, Austin P game where it's just, you know, people show up. It's a, it could be a noon game on a freaking Saturday. It's basically a secured win. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's not, I don't think it's worth anybody's time. Like you said, um, on either side, like I don't think either team cares about it enough to keep it going. And I think the biggest problem is when you look at our future scheduling and you look at these teams that we're going to have to play in the big 12, um, you know, I think I I think that though now that I'm now that the words are coming out of my mouth I think that is a little bit of a leg up to argue for the rivalry because we will have stronger teams in the Big 12 to play our schedule will be better than it was in you know the American um but to the same degree with a stronger schedule you might want some easier games um, and that might be an argument for keeping the rivalry, but at the same point, like I, th- I think our heads have been so locked in every single year for what the past, you know, probably three years now where the team has been just consistently year on year on year, four years, sorry, year over year winning, um, that we're looking at our strength of schedule. We're like, how can we beef it up in non-conference? What can we possibly do? And I, th- I think in the big 12, w- w- that conversation might shift. 
and it might be how can we you know what is our um you know what is our cherry pick kind of game what is something that is just going to be an easy grab go on with the rest of the season because we need to prepare for those bigger teams um so now that i'm thinking about it actually i think it might be worthwhile to keep it solely for that reason but when it comes to like the balance of the way this rivalry is played and actually you know fan bases wanting to play it it's one thing if it's a game that you schedule every few years it's another if it's one that you schedule every single year play it like it's a rivalry every single year it's just it does not feel the same i think it was different even when we were kids like i think when we were younger you know we looked at miami as like okay we grew up knowing that it was a back and forth game now, yeah, like the, when we were younger, we know it's it was not like Ben Roethlisberger and like, you know, yeah. they were like, you know, playing games up at Jaeger and those games were like full. And like, there's a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of Miami fans. And I, I think it's like something about how the Miami program has kind of been down from those heights for the past 20 years and how UC's football program has really just taken off in that time frame as well. Like mm-hmm. Miami, like there's only one game, I think at Jaeger stadium on this contract. Uh, and it's like really like Miami is like in this contract just for that one game because that's going to be their highest attended game since the last time the Bearcats went to Jaeger Stadium. Like they right. are in that in this series for that high attendance, and I don't think we ever want to go back there again. So like I don't know, it's going to be nice kind of to be that like that big boy like kind of like Ohio State is to us every now and then where we get to say yeah. no 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 we're like we, we that's got. True we need to save this space on our schedule for someone else, not like Miami. (laughs) Like, well, yeah. And well, one thing I was going to say too, that um, kind of makes this interesting. Now that you brought up that point is like, think about how many different teams we're going to be playing in the big 12 that have uh, like 50, 60,000 plus. Like, it's crazy to think like when you walk into, when you walk into Nippert, you look at the stadium and like, okay, it's a fairly large stadium, but it's nothing like massive. It's not, you know, one of these, you know, SEC football stadiums or Big Ten football stadiums that has like 80, 90 plus thousand people. But compared to the American, it's pretty large. Um, and it's kind of interesting. I feel like I've never really thought about, like, obviously we've thought like, you know, we bring out the most fans, but I think I don't think I've ever really thought about stadium capacity in that kind of regard. And then looking at like the Big 12 where we're going, we're going to move down that list pretty quick. Um, you know, a lot of, I think we're probably going to be, we'll probably be somewhere up in, I think the top, uh, I don't know, probably, probably top eight. Yeah. Top top seven, eight, maybe. Probably with, and like, because like, I think Oklahoma and Texas, since their stadiums are so big, those two leaving will like lessen the capacity average of yeah. the Big 12 by a lot. But like, yeah, I think BYU is pretty big too, but, um, but yeah, it's you're true. right. Like we're we're not going to be on that high end anymore. But I think like we've built this infrastructure now where I think it's going to be like we're gonna it's going to be full unless we have another coach like uh, Double T Senator Tuberville uh, once again who like <laughs> really kills the energy. Like it should be full as long as Luke Fickle's here and like the next guy like after him. Like it it should be full every home game. Yeah. Well, and I mean I think that that's kind of wrapping back to my point too about. Um, you know, kind of what we were just saying, like with the capacity in general is Miami's at like 20, what, 20 to 25,000. I think it's yeah. probably 23 to 24,000 uh, fans. So right. like when you look at that, like we don't want to be walking into a stadium like that anymore. Like, and I, I don't want to talk like that. Like we're, 
you know, some kind of big wig team now, but like you made a we great are. point kind of looking at like OSU versus us and how they look at us. We definitely look at Miami in the same way, but the thing is, I think at least we have the chances to prove that year in and year out that it is not a competition. Thing is, and too, also, is like, <laughs> hold, on, hold on, I I am seeing this for the first time. I'll let I'll I'll let you say whatever you have to say, but I'm just noticing that Miami's Jaeger Stadium, the address is 700 Weeb, Eubank Way, Oxford, Ohio. So the street name that this stadium is on is. Weeb. Weeb. And that is all that I have to say. You may continue. <laughs> that is a good point. Um, <laughs> another thing, Justin, too, about like college football road games now is that a lot of these games are just being played for recruiting purposes because like the coaches will go out on Friday night once the team gets in and go recruit yeah. kids in that area and like get them to come play for their school. And just because like, you know, it's an easy way to like recruit during the season. Right, and, you know, like be close to somewhere, but we're not really like you know we can. That's an that's within the state of Cincinnati, that Oxford area, and like just yesterday we yeah. signed that kid uh, from Roger uh, Roger Baden, or you know, on Wednesday we signed that kid from Baden, uh, that three star tight end, and obviously yeah. there's no competition between us and Miami on the recruiting front either. But like there, I think if we really want to like expand in the big 10 uh, in the big 12 and like how we improve our recruiting. I think eventually like we're going to start playing more games like that just to be able to recruit more kids and recruit right. more higher, higher caliber kids. And I think just like in Miami, just because we play by Miami, like that's going to be the sad thing though, a little bit about like realignment and how things are changing in college football is that a lot of these old rivalries, whether they were part of a conference or not, are kind of going to go away. And that's, that yeah. kind of stinks. Like, um, the the bedlam game between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, uh, even though Oklahoma has a crazy like eighty nine and nineteen record against Oklahoma State, like look that up sometime, listeners. It's absolutely insane. Um, that and there's still something to play in that game every year, and like uh, you know, it's gonna be sad to see that go. And it, now Texas and Texas A and M is coming back, but for a while that rivalry was gone. Um, and like there's a couple yeah. other rivalries that will definitely go away. Like I mean, you see. We'll play Memphis for a while unless Memphis um, is added to the the conference at some point, which you know, yeah. whatever. But um, like, I think I, I think that that will suck about this too, and like, you know, just the yearly like, you know, oh yeah, it's the victory bell. Like, call your one Miami friend, you know, and like talk trash. Yeah. And, you know, I think we will <laughs> miss that a little bit, but just for the future of the program, we just got to keep keep it moving, you know. Yeah, and I I definitely agree, and I think that's kind of the general goal is like, even though it would be nice to still have a cupcake here or two, um, you know, you don't you don't want those. I mean, hell, look at I, the way I look at it is look at the way that OSU. Not that I want to use OSU as a comparison, but I'm just <laughs> putting it out there because of um, OSU and Oregon first game of the year. Oregon's playing on the road, but you're you're playing like two top twenty-five teams. You're starting off with a freaking house fire of a game, and something that has implications all the way through until the end of the year. And we saw it. Oregon would have never been in the conversation if they didn't walk out of um out of the shoe with a win. And so, like, we look at that, and you know, that's a kind of game where, like, if if we are Oregon in that situation, 
we know that we have leverage. And when you play a game like Miami, it does absolutely nothing for you. And if you lose, kiss your season goodbye. And I think that's it's just the the um, volatility of that game and the possibility that we ever would lose to Miami again, which please strike me now if <laughs> if I have jinxed that. But Miami is just a game that, like you said, it's it's not the future of the program. It's the past. And I think we're at a point now where we just need to be able to move on from that. And I don't think that that's a negative thing. We all have great memories from the Miami games. Um, even, you know, and playing at Paul Brown, which we'll do again this year. Um, I, I think overall it's, it's, it was a fun rivalry, but it's not something worth our time anymore. And I don't think it's worth Miami's time either. Yep. And, uh, like, I think they would be better off probably getting another buy game from somebody and getting their tail kicked in, uh, just to improve their, their program. Yeah. Like I think they only play like one home game, uh, one non-conference home game last year. And it was like a FCS game. So that's a, yeah. it's, it's not great. Um, and we, like I said, like all the reasons I said, I think are a good reason to not play them anymore. It would suck, but Hey, at least we would keep the trophy forever. That is true. That unless that we is just one thing. ourselves and then like we somehow lose in the last year of the contract. Dude, uh, still think about the keg of nails. I know it makes me sad. <laughs> Anyways, uh, speaking of football, while we're on it, uh, this would be a great time to transition uh, into some really good news that we got this week. The Bearcats, uh, I don't know what kind of finagling went on. Uh, people were screaming tampering, uh, which I don't think is really a thing with the transfer portal. <laughs> it's, it's college football. It's not the NBA. It's not the NFL. Um, Corey Kiner has made his way back to Cincinnati after uh, leaving after a uh, historic and fantastic uh, season uh, with Roger Bacon, uh, finishing out his high school uh, high school football career and uh, proceeding to get Mr. Football Award for the state of Ohio, uh, left for LSU. Second string at LSU ended up being their second leading rusher um, on a not very good LSU team, not quite the same team that we saw with Joe Burrow. Um, but regardless, he's coming back. And I think this is interesting, too, because this really changes up the way that uh, we looked at this year. Like, we knew that we had a pretty strong offensive um, you know, outlook, but I think this really changes the paradigm. Yeah, and I agree, and like, I think it just really makes a difference for next year. And um, it's like there was already an updating of the profile picture of uh, Corey Kiner's Twitter page of him and uh, Evan Prater together in the backfield. And yep. like, I think it's just pretty cool to see that connection finally come home. So some of the backstory on this from uh, Chad Brendel again, uh, if you really want the news just straight from him, go definitely subscribe, follow him and, Subscribe to Bearcat Journal. There's a lot of good news there, but pay yes, the man. <laughs> he paid that man his money. Uh, so this was on the the radio interview with Mo Egger on uh, Monday when Corey Kiner announced it. But um, apparently, uh, our old friend Mr. Kelly uh, talked to Corey Kiner when he came in 
and promised him that he would be the number one running back in spring ball and for the rest of the season. And Corey Kiner, who had apparently thought about transferring after the news that Coach O was fired and uh, Brian Kelly was hired, uh, came came about. Like he apparently thought about that, uh, but but he decided to stay and stick it out through spring ball. But uh, Justin, there's this guy from LSU that was suspended last year for academic stuff and he's back now and he's a five-star guy and he made his way back onto the roster and he was getting the first team reps and that was enough for Corey Kiner to just say you know what uh you're not doing what you told me you were going to do so uh, yeah. shocker that Brian Kelly is not was not doing what he was telling people he was going to do so shocker uh, that Brian Kelly fucked over um fucked over his players <laughs> incredibly shocking i know it is honestly. just so far off of his normal routine the unmitigated i don't gall. understand the unmitigated gall you mean <laughs> to tell me uh, sorry steven i come out um but uh so anyway uh, uh cory kiner has decided to come home and uh eat some skyline chili again and uh, yep. enjoy can't stay uh, away forever. <laughs> yes, enjoy the yeah, and enjoy the home cooking. He did actually did an announcement a few years ago on uh, it was like a one of those late night Sunday night sports programs. I think it was on Channel mm-hmm. Nine, and uh, he was like uh, he the announcer at the desk was like, uh, "Corey, I believe you have an announcement for all the people." And he was like, "Yes, uh, I am committing to my favorite restaurant being Skyline Chili," and like it was just a great like bit and. I remember like clipping it and posting it on Barstool. I was like, uh, "This is definitely worth the wait." Corey at Corey Kiner and like he liked it and <laughs> stuff. But uh, uh, you know what? Like I think we were all a little bit upset after he transferred or after he committed to LSU originally. But it's honestly the most reasonable thing he he did. Like it was yeah. right after their national championship run. He saw Clyde Edwards-Alaire get drafted in the first round as a running back, and he's like, "Oh mm-hmm. yeah." I would like to do that. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he changed his mind and uh, obviously the bridge wasn't burned between UC and Corey and he decided to come back. And I think that's the thing now in like these things is that uh, there's always a second chance, especially in college with the one free transfer. There's always a second chance of these kids like Jawan Briggs yeah. initially committed to Walnut Hills out of high school and then was like, you know what? Um, I'm going to uh, come back to Cincinnati. And he was a, big player on that on the playoff team last year and he's going to be another big part of this upcoming team this year but justin real quick i just want to like do you have the tweet from uh like i think i forget who who put it up but someone put up a tweet about how loaded this offense is once again i'll try and find it real quick yeah i can find that like asap Um, yeah there's like a bunch of dudes just like uh where's that well there's that and there's there's a um there's a football one and there was a basketball one too which we'll get into yeah Um, yeah i meant the football one though because the offense is stacked again for next year and no matter who the quarterback is which is great let's see okay yeah here we go it's uh from sidelines uh at ssn cincinnati underscore cincinnati um you guys have probably seen them come up uh here and then now and again uh but yeah qb evan prater um, highest rated recruit the Bearcats have ever retained. Um, running back Corey Kiner, the actual highest recruit the Bearcats have ever retained, just after the fact. Uh, Trey Tucker coming back, Tyler Scott coming back, 
two, uh, I like to call them uh, bomb carriers uh, because every single play, it felt like at least Tyler Scott, Trey Tucker mixed in around this year, but like every play Tyler Scott came up, he was taking it for like 50, 60 plus uh, Nick Marner wide receiver. And then we have both Wiley and Taylor coming back at tight end spots. Uh, many O-line guys returning. Um, and, and then you just, you add on top of that, the loaded roster behind those guys. Cause Prater, you're getting Bryant behind that. And I, I, we still don't know. I would figure Prater's going to be the starting guy at this point. I think we had some back and forth conversations. We had talked about when Bryant initially was coming back. Um, you know, where would that be? I think Prater will be the guy feel pretty confident about that. Um, but you have Bryant behind him season clearly had, uh, you know, pretty, pretty incredible season as far as, you know, uh, a max season can go. Um, and then you have, uh, Montgomery, Ethan, Wright, Um, another Montgomery. It's like, you've got, you've got so many guys just in the backfield. And then you add on top of that, the wide receiver class, you still have, I don't, I want to see blue Smith erupt. He's, it feels like he's been here forever, but he just really hasn't had his chance yet. I'd like to see what he can do because that guy is lanky as hell. And I know that he is, he's built like very similarly to Alec Pierce. Um, so I, w- I would love to see him get some reps. And, you know, I mean, it would be nice because we could really use the height advantage again, especially with Trey Tucker, Tyler Scott. Those guys don't have quite the reach advantage that we had with Pierce. Um, but again, having both our starting tight ends coming back, um, <laughs> it looks pretty good. Like, I, I mean, to lose Dez and you know, Pierce and Ford and a lot of these guys straight off the offensive end of the ball. I I don't see how we take a step back. I think we stay in rhythm or hell, maybe we get better. And like, if you think about it, Justin, it's just going to be like the 2018 offense all over again. Yeah. Yeah. There was definitely some passing involved, but uh, our guy, uh, Mike Warren, the, uh, the second was definitely the the bell cow and he was the guy mm-hmm. and, you know, he really like took care of business there and was able to uh, really put something together w- that was a magical year when there was nothing expected. And now like we have a bunch of horses in the backfield and it's going to be great for uh, just us to have all those options in the backfield. And so, yeah. I think it's only a positive thing to have all those guys and like they're, they're definitely going to get some share of the workload and maybe they all won't get a chance to play. You know, uh, it might not be, and we might not have all of them for the rest of time, but for, for now, you know, it's going to be like, it's going to be interesting to see who gets the share of the workload. I definitely think Kiner's going to get the, the, the first and second down runs. I think he's like a great, a, a great option and he's definitely going to get the workload, but to have those other pacey guys like Wright and Montgomery yeah. in the backfield, it's going to be great for us. So uh, I'm excited for that backfield. It's going to be legit. Yeah. Well, and it's going to be crazy too. Cause like we saw a lot of flashes. I mean, with the amount of, with the amount of, I, I'm not going to call it garbage time, but we're going to say it for sake of what it is uh, for the amount of leads that we built up this year and, you know, just had time to put out second and third string guys and get them some reps, um, which is just a very nice thing to be able to do. Um, you know, Des comes off the field, you put in Prater, you put in, um, you know, you, you have Ford coming off the field, you put in right, you put in Montgomery. Like when these guys came off, 
these second strings, third string guys really impressed. And I think Ethan Wright probably impressed more than anybody else personally to me. Um, and it's, it's crazy to think that I I feel like what we're, what we're going to see is maybe similarly to the way the Bengals have been using Joe Mixon. You can ring him up for one, two, three, four down play if you want. But at the same time, like, you know, you can let him do his work, let him get the first down, second down. And then, you know, I feel like he's going to bring so much defensive pressure towards him that it's going to alleviate so much space forward a absolute force to be reckoned with warren absolute force to be reckoned with but i think kiner huh monster yeah and 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 those guys you know they were definitely threats on the field but i think kiner just has this edge because he as long as he plays up to expectation which fair you know to be fair is going to be pretty high he's coming in as a guy that like you know Warren and Ford, like Ford came out of Alabama. So he's got the name already, which obviously there's an expectation there. But when you look at these guys and then compare them to like what Kiner's expectations are coming straight out of high school, coming straight from wherever they're coming from, Kiner's expected to be like that senior level player, like that Mike Warren's junior season kind of player when he steps in the gun this year. And I think that is a big difference in the defensive pressure that he's going to see. And he might not be able to blow up because he might see so much defensive pressure, but having that kind of player in your backfield, giving you the ability to draw all of that and then be able to alleviate your wide receivers, your tight ends. I mean, the, Tight end plays, I think, are going to be great this year. I think we could really see some improvement from Lenny and from Wiley. I think those two are really going to have a nice mix of um, use this year. They, I mean, we clearly saw it a lot, especially with Wiley last year. Um, you know, he got a lot of play in you know the Navy games um, and a couple of the other games down the stretch. But I think having a guy like Kiner is just that keystone back there that just makes everything else work. And it's just, he is the oil to the machine that I think will really just get all the systems going. Um, And like I said, when you're in a position like that, you might not be able to blow up because you are going to see so much focus um, as a, you know, offensive player, but hell man. And if, and if he just plows through everything else, our O-line holds up, it is going to be a living nightmare playing against the Bearcats as a defensive player. And whatever, wherever you are, whatever team you're on, it is going to be a nightmare. Yeah. And like they, we talked about this when the schedule came out, Justin, but dude, that schedule is cake. That that schedule is going to be run through easily by, by our guys. So I don't know, man, like it's kind of exciting just to think about the potential of this team. Like, like early season, I think we all thought that this team could win the league, but with a guy like Corey Kiner in there, possibilities yeah. are endless once again and so yeah. like and like the only game i really see us ever like, see being a problem for us is that opening game at arkansas but with how experienced right. this team is now and how much talent this team has on it like that that game is even like a possible win too so I, yeah. just adding Corey, just it really just opens up like all the possibilities of this year yeah and it's 
I'm just I'm just excited because it's to be able to have a guy like that. I think the thing that we have not even mentioned, like we've 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 glossed over it, but the importance of being able to get two of the best recruits that the program has ever had out of Cincinnati and be able to retain them here, which is not going to be a problem because a lot of these kids probably grew up at, I, I would imagine both of them, Prater and Kiner grew up as Bearcats fans, grew up watching the Bearcats regardless whether or not they were fans. And to have, to be able to retain those guys when they've got offers from so many other places, which clearly <laughs> Kiner, we weren't able to retain, but to be able to have that now, to be able to have guys who understand what Cincinnati is about and be able to see that team grow over time and not just, this is a really good school that gave me a great offer that has been doing well for the past few seasons. The guys that grew up watching this team go through the peaks and valleys, that to me I think is super important and keeps me really motivated for the future of this program. Yeah, and like I think it's just like crazy to think about what it could be, you know, and like how how much like where we could be in a few years, you know, and yeah. just so cool that, that like, this is just happening for us. And like, I don't know. I just think about that. Like, dude, Luke fickle has really given us just a, a boon, you know, and just, he has really changed the outlook of this entire like program, you know, and just, I don't know. It's just crazy to think about. So, Justin, real quick before we move on, um, after the addition of Corey Kiner on the composite, uh, we are ranked at number 49. Uh, okay. Oh, wait. No, no, no. That's our – hold on. Let me try and find a, the the composite. But um, so the, the composite ranking, like, it just ranks, like, your entire roster, and, like, it's supposed to show you, like, um, how many, like, how good your team is, you know, like, with all of your guys. But um, – right. It's not pulling up for me, but I'm sure it was improved by uh, yeah. improved by how much better we got just with Corey Kiner. But right, it just makes like that window now is like reopened once again, and I think like being able to have two guys that can like learn and uh, have a, a bunch of reliable options on offense and like you know be able to make that back is going to be great for us too. Yeah. Also, just like. Uh, you know, just having a bunch of guys back and having Fickle back and having everybody back there, there's just another opportunity for a run this year to maybe another New Year's Six Bowl or maybe even the playoff once again. So, yeah, um, I don't know how long away, how far away are we from football season, Justin? I like I'm, four months, four months. Well, I know, but account. how many days? Oh, Lord. Uh, it's probably close to what would be four months on end. Let, let's see, like, let's like uh, a, what, probably 120. I'll, I'll say yeah. about 120 to 135, somewhere in there. Yeah, um, that, that first game at, at Arkansas is going to be a big one. So yeah, and it's it's going to be really interesting to see how all this materializes because I think you know we're in a position now where we have so many like good expectations. We know what the team was, and I think. I think it would be I think it would be dumb of us to sit here and think well we're we're going to lose Ritter, we're going to lose Pierce, we're going to lose Ford, we're going to lose Cook, we're going to lose Sauce, we're going to lose Sanders, we're going to lose Beavers, we're going to lose all of these guys. And I think it would be dumb of us to sit here and think yeah, we're we're probably going to struggle this year. I think looking at like you said, looking at the schedule, looking at how everything stacks up, 
I think we can walk in, and I think if we walk out of Arkansas with a win, I really just don't see how we don't sail through the schedule again. And I, I think that that is going to be our telltale game. Uh, it'll sort of be that, um, like how the very similarly again to the I think guess the 2018 season that UCLA game. If you walk in there, you could pull that off. What's going to happen? You know? Yeah, seriously. Like you know, you just you don't know what can happen after you just win that one game and that ucla game justin like you're we 17 point dogs in that game yeah. and just crazy to think about now like where the program has grown since then so um by the way there is no uh composite ranking just yet for uh 2022 but uh, the okay. bearcats were a 54 rank on the composite ranking last year and they made it to the college football playoff so like that says something <laughs> yeah it really does <laughs> So, Justin, should we move uh, from Nippert Stadium to Fifth Third Arena and talk about some more player acquisition? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, I am. I have not heard the name spoke one time. So, forgive me. I feel like every time we get a transfer, we have the same fucking problem every year. But Kalu Ezekbe. I'm gonna say that is, or it's Kalu. Kalu or Kalu. I, I, I need to hear the I need to hear the name come out of somebody's mouth in order I'm to look actually up the pronunciation know. guide for you. But regardless, we snagged him, uh, came out of Old Dominion, 6'8", 240 pound, four season player, uh, averaged 11.3 points and 7.1 rebounds as a team captain. Um, he can play, play both the three and the floor, yeah, three and the four, but will probably be asked to play the four. Um, I think there probably would be some competition between him and Newman. I don't know who would get to start in that position. I would give, I, w- I would give John the benefit of the doubt, considering that he's got a year under the belt with Wes, but also we don't know what Wes is saying to these guys. Um, but he has another year of eligibility as well. Um, and I think it'd be, he'd be a nice staple. I think if we can really figure out a good way to use the, his assets, I think he'll be a great staple for the Bearcats because he looks like a legitimate double, double threat, um, night in, night out. Um, and I think, you know, and of course that's playing in conference USA, which then again, I mean, as much as CUSA, we're not going to look at as uh, a good comparison to the American. Um, I don't think it's that crazy of a jump. Um, up to the point where uh, we would expect, you know, him to put up much smaller numbers. I think he could probably, it, it, depending on his usage rate and depending on how many minutes he's getting, I think we could expect it to be somewhat similar. But it, we're we're loading up the roster pretty fast, and especially with our new guys coming in. You know, we lost some of our bigs, but I think he could be really, um, really critical um, to keeping, you know, just some fluidity on the floor uh between you know some of our bigs that we're missing yep and uh i i think it's also just like he's gonna play a lot with Odie, and i i think those yeah. two together like if they can figure something out that'd be great um it, it might not be the biggest impact that bearcats fans were hoping for but there is still one scholarship spot open after another transfer recently committed but uh i'm I, i'm interested to see what the, where they what they do with kalu and uh he looks like he's kind of like a rebound guy and like he'll, so he's probably not going to be out on the perimeter shooting threes a lot, but as long as he can play some like post defense and we're not getting absolutely torched down there, like we were last year, I think he'd be great. Yeah. 
Well, and I, I would just like to say this too. I mean, with the with the um, extra year of eligibility, or sorry, not just what am I saying here? The extra scholarship that's available. Um, you know, I think there still is time to get that big kind of uh, you know marquee center that we've been looking for. But I honestly would not be totally against. You know, that is. You're going to disagree with me here, but I would not, now that we're kind of looking at the way this team is building out, I wouldn't be totally against not using that um, on a gigantic center. Um, you know, I'd, I don't know. I'd have to look through the transfer portal and see who all is available. There's probably a stud in there somewhere um, that we could really use. Um, and if right now the team is a bit short on height, but I, th- I, I really think that if we could get Sage some minutes at center um and if we can turn him into that go-to guy at the five the faster the better and i mean mean, hell i mean we don't know what 2022 2023 season we don't know what that's going to bring but i would rather burn a year of testing out sage than get another guy who's going to have no more years of eligibility or grad transfer get somebody who has maybe one year of eligibility that would be a positive but regardless just get another guy in who's going to come in and go you know i i would rather start our guys young and turn them into that three four season guy he might not be putting up you know 15 points a night he might be putting up six or seven but get him in there i mean and hell we still have vic too i feel like we we're not i'm not talking about vic and i i keep forgetting to mention that but um Right now, I mean, with the way the roster set up, I would think Odie starts at the five, but who knows? We'll see how practice goes. I mean, Vic, is, size-wise, is in the right spot to be in the five. And I just, I'm curious to see how that last slot gets used. But hell, yeah. I mean, I think Shaq still has another year of eligibility, um, so we could always hit him up and see if he still wants to play. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm interested to see what they do with Sage, like, I know they won't start him right away. We got to get him in the monster factory and beef him up a little bit. But um, I mean, I'm fine with playing this small ball lineup. And obviously with the other addition, the Bearcats made, we might be seeing more of a three guard small ball lineup. But yeah, like I said, Justin, like we need that dynamic big guy. And like, obviously it's, it might not be happening this year just because we got like, you know, a couple more guys coming in and, I don't think we're going to be able to pick someone up off the transfer portal unless there's another guy that hasn't really uh, transferred out yet. Um, but I think like this roster is pretty much set unless there's one more guy. I think because I think like well, this is for football. I guess it doesn't really apply for basketball. I was going to say that you have to be uh, committed out of the transfer portal by May 1st to play in the fall. So I don't know if that counts for basketball as well, but I know that's a thing for football. So um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm just, in, I'm interested to see how he gets used. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing, like we said, I mean, I'm going to have to take a deep dive into the uh, transfer portal and see really who's available. Um, but you know, there's always going to be some pretty good talent there. But like I said, I, I personally would rather just see us try to work with what we got and really focus more on, you know, and I think that here's the other thing too. I think everybody wants that dominating big. That doesn't necessarily have to be our game. We need a guy who can rebound. We need another Ellie Sosemi. <laughs> we need him back on the Bearcats. 
snagging boards, but God, I would love. I think is <laughs> if we can get another, if we can, if we can have just somebody down there who can consistently rebound, not even just be a scorer, but consistently rebound. We can rely on all of these other guys to score, and we're going to have a lot of scoring options this year. We're bringing in Reed. We're bringing in Skillings. We're still going to bring back Davenport. We're bringing back DeJulius. We're bringing back Newman. I mean, we're bringing back, what, three of the top five scores? I mean, Mike was at five. Um, and I'm trying to think who else was up there. Um, but we're, we're bringing back. So, oh, and I guess Micah was probably, probably four, I would think, probably on that scoring list. Um, but we're bringing back so many of these guys. And I think... I think with all of these options we have now, we just need to make sure everybody's in a role um, and that, you know, whoever's going to be ball dominant is going to be ball dominant. I would also like to say once again, uh, we're at this point of the podcast where I have to talk about Jeremiah Davenport because people have an opinion on him. And I saw somewhere that somebody said, we're going to have all these guys this year and Davenport is going to be our sixth man of the year. Get some fucking alcohol and just start drowning your mind i don't know what's going on up there but it's it's <laughs> there is no <laughs> intelligent life form up there if you think that davenport is going to be the sixth man on this team in my man davenport, respect, god damn it i know it's so dumb <laughs> like the the guy it, oh god it just doesn't make sense to me i i get that he the thing the thing is a lot of people gave him so much flack because of the way this team played this year. I think we all had higher expectations, even though, you know, even though I, I think the biggest problem was that we, we, there were so many games that we should have won or so many games that we were in that we just didn't come out on top. But Davenport received so, so very much of the negative feedback of this team. It just, it's not, it was not fair. Like if we look back on it now, like think about how many games, like of course Davenport. Yeah. Like, okay. He's not, you know, on it tonight. Not every player is going to be on it every night. And we can't expect that. But if you think that that guy is going to be a sixth man, you think he's going to be coming off the bench or hell, if you think he's going to be a starter, but he's going to get anything less than like 22, 23 minutes a game, bare minimum. I don't know what you're drinking, but you need to start serving it up <laughs> because it's just, it bewilders me that people still have opinions like that. I mean, he is far and away the still the go-to guy with the Julius, no matter what happens this year. Yeah. And I, uh, I think him and the Julius are going to definitely just have to be like the point scorers on this team because the two guys we added are, I mean, they haven't been known to score a lot of points, but yeah, um, I think if they're able to rely on more guys to get more points around them and open up their opportunities, they can do better. Like we, I think mm -hmm. we need to ask Micah to start scoring like 10 points a game. I think we need to ask, you know, Odie to put in five. I think we need to have, like Kalu put in five, like, you know, I think we probably need Newman to put in 10 to 15 a night. Like the, we need to make the math work right? because we weren't somewhere in here. We are scoring like 80 to 90 points a game with your yeah. math, yes. but I get yeah. what you're saying. Well, I, Hey, I'd rather do that than just score 59 points and hope because 
we <laughs> lost to South Florida last year, Justin, at home. But except stop, stop, stop right now, please. Well, well, let me get you to the next guy because I want to talk about my man Rob Finnessy. He saw the Bearcats beat that ass in Bloomington. He was like, you know what? I want to go play for their basketball team. So he transferred here after his final season as an Indiana Hoosier. Uh, he is he has one more year of eligibility. He could take a COVID year if he wanted to, but who knows? Uh, known uh, he's not the great biggest scorer ever. He averaged six point five points, two point six rebounds, and two point eight assists per game in his career as a Hoosier with a two assist to turnover ratio, which is pretty good and kind of follows along with what Wes Miller wants from his guards: is yep. no less turnovers, more assists. Um, he's Protect most well known. Yeah, seriously. Um, no turnovers would be wonderful. Um, most known for his buzzer beater against Butler in the Crossroads Classic from a few years ago, where he hit a shot from about 35 feet out uh, from deep and uh, sunk their in-state rival, uh, the Butler Bulldogs. So, yep. and which is funny because he it was between Cincinnati and Butler where he was looking for yeah. to, uh, <laughs> to like transfer to, and um, he ended up choosing the Bearcats. So he. Sunk the dagger into the hearts of the poor Butler Bulldogs fans once again. So, uh, but Justin, I think the best we can ask for with Rob Finnessy is that he's able to be that third guard, maybe like a, a, a small forward or a six man come off the bench type of guy, because yeah. I don't necessarily think he's going to start. Uh, I think we've got too much talent right now in the lineup for him to start every night, but mm-hmm. I, I think he could be definitely like just an experienced guy to be able to come in and give. Bearcats like something other than Mike Saunders who definitely now I'm not I don't want to slander Mike Saunders Mike Saunders was good he's pacey he's fast he gets layups but I think Mike Saunders just turned the ball over too much and he wasn't as good on the defensive end and I don't know anything about Rob Finnessy's defensive ability but yeah if he can be just a little bit better and a little bit maybe more controlled at times than Mikey was I think we'll see a net positive for that second line and and I think we have to put the put the trust in Wes in the system, and know that we we know that Wes counts deflections. <laughs> so I have a feeling he there's some kind of defensive ability there. Justin, <laughs> it's got to be there. Trust the process. You got to trust the process, man. It's it, I, I don't know. I'm I will be really curious to see how he is used. I do agree. Uh, you know, I think he hit the nail on the head. I think that um, you know he's not going to be a super high usage player. Um, but it would be nice to see. I think he's probably going to s- step into the same role that we probably saw. Um, probably more with Mason, I would think. Um, less of a, you know, three ball shooter as much as more of just that, you know, kind of um, glue guy off the bench that you can expect to be flashy here and there. Um, but not necessarily a night in, night out kind of player. Um you know, we'll see what happens. I, w- I would be happy to see, or happy to be disappointed uh, by my expectations and see those not happy to be disappointed. Happy to be incorrect. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to be disappointed <laughs> by those expectations. I think we know um, what you meant, yeah. But yeah, I, I think that, you know, he's, I think I think he'll be in a position where he'll have at least some chances to show some flashes here and there. It's just going to depend on how he's used. And I think he's really just going to be that role player guy off the bench. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
um, you know, maybe he grows into a bigger role. Maybe he blows up. I mean, sometimes, you know, you see guys, they transfer and, you know, the transfer portal really at this point feels like it's just a, you know, chance for guys to get a breath of fresh air, um, not necessarily perform uh, any better. But, you know, sometimes guys change up where they're at. You know, they he's, he's got four seasons under his belt at IU. Change it up. Who knows? He could go off for all we know. And maybe he turns into something crazy good. So we have nothing but hope to see for uh, to see what happens with both Kalu and with Rob. We'll see uh, kind of where these guys end up. But this is a good time to talk about, since we're still on uh, basketball and new guys coming into the team, uh, the possibility of more guys coming in. I need to know what we have to pay. Rayvon Griffith and Isaiah Collier to get on this team because somebody's got the bag. I want to know who's dishing it out. I will happily, happily throw a nice little investment in there, whatever it is. Considering it tampering, I don't care. We'll figure out a way to make it legal within the NCAA uh, ruling, the the jurisdiction of how they're dealing um, with the ability to sponsor and pay players. If we could get both of those guys in here, a four-star and a five-star player. It's lights out, man. Possibilities are endless, Justin. I agree. And um, I think there is a law. Um, now, I'll have to look it up because I'm not sure. But uh, I think Quinn Ewers came to Ohio State early. Uh, Texas quarterback, current Texas quarterback uh, from the state of Texas, but uh, went to Ohio State early, a year early. And he graduated early just to get started on his NIL early. And um, yeah. he made like a big deal out of, out of there, uh, like right away. So I think there is some precedent for like younger kids being able to high school kids being able to do NIL. So maybe yeah. we go the legal route and drop the bag for Rayvon Griffith yeah. and Isaiah Collier. Uh, I don't know about the Georgia state laws on that, but yeah. um, Hey, they got the Georgia football team. They probably are letting anybody get paid now. So that is um, a, that is a very good point. And honestly, if we look at, I forget what team was it? Maybe it's Texas tech uh, football. I looked at somebody's um, I think it was Texas tech. Yeah. I looked at their, um, the recruiting rankings and they have like eight, five stars yeah. and it is, you know, Texas tech is like good, but they're not Alabama. Yeah. They're not, they're not like a team that should be ranking in eight, oh, you mean five stars. Or Texas, yeah, Texas A&M. Thank you. They, they are raking them in. So they are dishing something out over there. I don't know what they're dishing out, but they are dishing it out for sure. Yeah, seriously. The NIL collective there is dropping the bag. So um, if we can get an NIL collective together at Cincinnati, strictly for the basketball program, because I think the football program is already recruiting on itself. But uh, yeah. basketball program, we might need a little bit of help and. uh Hey, who's to say that Bob Huggins wasn't dropping bags back in the nineties? Like, I mean, come on. Like he knows, looked man. like a he looked like a gangster, you know, with the slick back uh hair and the and like the, the Jordan like long sleeve and stuff, but like with the dress pants and dress shoes, you know? Like that's kind of a gangster look from back in the day, you know? And, straight straight mafia look. Yeah, well now he's just wearing those like rain jackets, which is definitely mafia yeah. moves. Like Bro, he is mafia. straight tracksuit mafia for sure. Oh, yeah. He is in that. <laughs> he is so in that. God, I would love to know like a backstory on like if there that was ever a thing at UC or if it was really just him 
just recruiting to recruit. But like, man, like if if there was ever a story that come out, I would love to hear that. Like, just a his like a like a dirty history on like the you know like how the U was made and like Pony Excess was made for yeah on ESPN uh, thirty for thirty like something like that for like for UC basketball in the nineties. I think that would be like my ultimate goal one day is just like create some <laughs> kind of documentary like that. So, um, but anyway, uh, speaking of current guys now. Like we said, Rayvon Griffith, local Cincinnati kid, uh, four-star guard. Um, I think he's a point guard. He announces his commitment on May 1st, which is eight days away. Uh, and then Isaiah Collier, uh, another uh, UC target. Uh, he is a five-star guard, a shooting guard from Georgia. Uh, he is apparently putting out eyeball emojis underneath Rayvon's tweets and uh, responding, and maybe he'll announce soon after, too. So... Both are warm yeah. on Cincinnati, and Griffith has Cincinnati in his top five. He does not have Xavier in his top five, which I found funny. Mm. Um, but he has Alabama, uh, Ohio State, Kansas, Cincinnati, and our friend uh, Mr. Cronin at UCLA, who seems very interested in recruiting Cincinnati players once he's at a different job. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm not. Yeah, gonna, well, I'm no, not... no, 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 no. Don't steer away. Don't steer away. Don't let this man off the hook. You know Justin. that I like my, you know that I like a nice little dose of Mick Cronin. Justin. Um, I am not one of the most popular people for that opinion, but my God. I mean, come on. Like, I, th- I feel like I'm validated right now. Like people were telling yeah. me the last two years, oh, you're taking it too hard on Mick. Take it easy on him. Like he's fine. He did great here. And I was like, but, but he's doing what he didn't do at UC at a new job. Just because yeah. the and I was oh I was just so upset and now like it's just further validation that like I don't know like all the guys that came through UC uh, like through Cincinnati for all those years and went to different places without even getting a call from the Cincinnati yeah. basketball program it just infuriates me to no end Justin like can you imagine the dudes we could have had on this roster but <laughs> yeah anyway um uh, so <laughs> like like we said uh, Rayvon is a uh, announcing his commitment on may 1st and isaiah collier is uh responding to his tweets with eye emojis and uh, there's definitely been some dot connecting made by uc fans and um i don't know i i i would you know i don't like to get my hopes up all the time on stuff especially in recruiting i feel like in the basketball space right now we're just not the program that we want to be maybe wes miller is that's his job is to convince them like hey you can be part of that change and part of this city and um I think the other thing too is that Isaiah Collier, five star, who would probably be one of our highest ever rated recruits. Um, yeah. He's from Georgia, and Justin, if you look at the uh, the recruiting pipeline that the Bearcats have in Georgia right now, all because of Chad Dollar, there's like in the 2023 class, there's a, a lot of guys with offers from UC from the state of Georgia, and that might just become a secondary a recruiting ground for us. And I would be like so interested to see what happens with that connection as long as Chad Dollar stays at UC. I think he's going to be crucial in maintaining that pipeline. And also there's a couple of North Carolina guys, so Wes Miller and C.B. McGrath are getting in there for uh, for North Carolina. But I do like that they uh, – I, I texted you about this, Justin, in the fall, and I was like, Wes should just like do a blanket offer for all the top ten kids in the state of Ohio uh, and just yeah. see what, what they say. And – to my surprise, before we even brought that up on a show, he had done that. 
he had basically just yeah. offered every kid that was in the top 15, maybe except for a few, uh, but every kid for the next two years that was in the top 15 has an offer from Cincinnati. And like, yeah, it, they, some didn't take it. Some are going different places. Like there's one kid, I forget his name, but he's, he goes to Fairfield and he's going to go to Ohio state this fall, I think, or next fall. I'm not sure, but uh, mm-hmm. like, you know, but UC was still in his offering. And I think like, that's just, what we wanted to see after a long time of not seeing that um, it's just nice to see finally because ohio yeah. is definitely like not the deepest basketball state ever but you know like we should be in there as the historic prestige program we are we should be able to recruit at least yeah. like, and be in those battles for those top guys and if they go to ohio state that well then ohio state dropped the bag for them and uh, they yeah. can just go be mediocre at ohio state but at cincinnati <laughs> they can come be great and especially yes. <laughs> with this new basketball conference, Justin, that we're going to and how strong it's going to be. By the way, the Kansas Jayhawks uh, won the Big 12 uh, and won the NCAA tournament. Second straight year that a Big 12 team has won the NCAA tournament. So we're entering a hornet's nest when we get into the yeah. Big 12 for basketball. And we need these guys to be able to compete in the, in the Big 12 basketball. Be best, Justin. I'm saying, I'm staking my claim now. Big 12 is the best basketball conference in the nation. And I really want the Bearcats to be able to compete in that conference. And just getting these two guys would be huge. It yeah. would be massive. Uh, it would be amazing. Oh, I don't know where we left off. Sorry about the technical difficulties. Um, maybe figure it out in post. Maybe I'll just splice them together. But regardless, um, it would be great if the Bearcats were able to snag um isaiah and or snag Ravon at the same time um but uh really the only other thing we have left to talk about is the nfl draft um which we're going to get into here real quick um not linger on it too long but draft is coming up next thursday april 28th with the updated draft boards um are we seeing much movement uh, a little bit a little bit I think Dez had um, some good projections to be edge first round, um, maybe even sneaking up into the upper 20s. Uh, there was a lot of conversation about QBs being in the top, um, generally in like the top 15. There was talk of with QBs, there probably even three going within the top 20. Now that conversation in the past three or four weeks has changed pretty drastically. Um, and a lot of boards have only one or two QBs going in the first round. Um, and as you can imagine, Dez is not included in any of those because they just don't know what they're dealing with. Um, <laughs> so real quick, I'm going to go into um, the boards. But before I do, I want to ask you, Steve, uh, what are your uh, thoughts on the draft coming up? Well, Justin, I'm usually not that interested in the draft. It's not really my jam, and um, I don't want to disrespect anybody who likes the draft because, hey, you got to like what you got to like, and people like different things, so good for them. But I am very invested in this year's draft for one reason and one reason only is because there's a lot of Bearcats that are involved in the draft process. So I'm very interested to see where guys like Sauce Gardner, Desmond Ritter, Darian Beavers, Kobe Bryant, where all of these guys will go. I even, Justin, I got mad, uh, I think it was yesterday because I looked up MyJ's draft profile on NFL.com 
And uh, my J is rated right now as an undrafted free agent. And like, wow, my J fucking Sanders, that dude like balled out like for three, four years at Cincinnati yeah. and get his numbers last year, just because like every time he would get to the quarterback it seemed that the quarterback would just either throw it away or somehow escape. But yeah, that guy's so talented and, no, so for a while, Justin, I have also not liked the draft because I thought our guys were going to get drafted a lot higher than they ended up going. And to me, like that, just demoralizing because you have to realize, oh wow, there is so many good players across the country. Yeah. Like I experienced this firsthand with Eric Wilson, who, uh, like I said, former first round, uh, for, not not first round, but former uh, Bearcat, now still playing in the NFL. I think he's with the Eagles, but. This this guy is chiseled from stone. Like he looks like a Greek <laughs> demigod. He looks amazing. And uh, did a pro day tape for uh, I think it was the Giants. I forget who it was, but I was the one filming his pro day tape for him and filming him going through all the drills. And obviously on tape, guys can look great. You know, it's the old yeah. joke about the Kristaps Porzingis video shooting yeah. against the chairs. Like you don't know what these guys really are going to look like until they get into game situations, but. After that tape, it was like, oh, yeah, I think he's going to go third, fourth round for sure. Nope, didn't get drafted. Didn't even get drafted. But to him, he's turned a five-year NFL career out of it. So yeah, um, i am always been kind of like lower on the draft just because it's not as exciting to me. And I just think like our guys are not going to go that that high. But um, it's interesting too, though, now just because we have guys that are likely going to go in the top ten like Sauce or – Likely going to go hear their name called on first round night like Des. And listen, I think that's the one thing like this program could really use to is just that one quarterback who really is like you know, able to play for a long time and always hear their name attached to, like, oh, yeah, this is like what what this guy was like in Cincinnati. Or, yeah, I think we've we, that's a popular Twitter thing is like when a guy is like, going off in an NFL game, you're like, Dude, Lamar Jackson was good at Louisville. And like, it's a highlight tape of him just doing all this stuff at Louisville. Yeah. And like, I think that would just be cool to have one, one Cincinnati quarterback because I, I'm an Ohio state hater for sure. But the thing that's funny to me about Ohio state is that they've produced so many quarterbacks that have been drafted. And I feel like none of them have ever really turned out. And Justin yeah. Fields, the book is still out of course, but it's like they've had a long run of success where they haven't really had a quarterback that has been a prolonged starter in the NFL. So yeah, um, it's I think just having that chip uh, on our on our side too would be pretty neat. Yeah, and also I think uh, it would be remiss of us to not uh, mention um, the awful tragedy that happened with Dwayne Haskins while we're mentioning yeah. OSU quarterbacks. That is uh, something that occurred over the past few weeks that is very unfortunate. Um, and obviously our heart goes out to all of the OSU fans. Um, uh, when that, you know, things like that happen, it's just, uh, you really get blindsided by that. And I think that's, yeah. a, you know, one of those things that kind of wakes you up is like yeah, NFL stars, all these other, you know, crazy athletes and all that. They're real people too, you know? And I think that's a, Thing that sometimes we can forget because we like to talk about athletes as you know something that's you know uh, 
just kind of their pieces or parts, but they are real people. And that was very unfortunate to see. Um, so, but back to the bear cats, um, speaking of these boards, it's really interesting to see where these bear cats fall. We have, uh, the PFF board, which I don't freaking know what this thing is anymore, man. It's just, it's just, ah, I, I said this before we started recording. I think it's I think it's very highly likely that guys pay to get their name lifted up in the draft and that all of these guys are probably like 15-year-old mega fans of like 10 teams bandwagon fans and they just throw names randomly mixed in there. Um they I feel like PFF is all over the place and it's one thing to say that too because they did a lot of coverage of Cincinnati this year, but I think they just like to get some names spiced up. They like to change things up and they don't actually make like the real solid picks because their top like 200 on their board is just all over the place. But they do have a lot of Bearcats up there. So we're going to go over that real quick. They have none other than Sauce going at number four, uh, which is uh, one of the highest that we'll see. Um, we have Ritter going at 41, uh, which put him in the second round. Cook at 71, Pierce 98, Sanders 119, Beavers 127, Brooks 160, and Bryant at 177. Um, numbers are going to be numbers. Opinions are going to be opinions. Um, but I do think the order of these names is interesting and a bit different than I would have expected. I would have expected something to go like Sauce, Ritter, Sanders, Beavers, Bryant, then maybe into uh, Brooks, Pierce, Cook. But I, I one thing I found interesting, you know, I I feel like Cook is up higher on a lot of boards than I would have expected him to be. I think I wonder if it's that's just basically just from his game tape against Georgia. Where he yeah. looked like just a man on fire, and yeah. he definitely looked pretty good too against Alabama. And like those are like the, the two games that a lot of these guys have been taking looks at players at, uh, you know, because they're the the best teams of the past two years, and they're they're taking looks at our guys just based on those games. And I think definitely like our defense showed out a lot more than our offense did in those games. But uh, you know, Brian Cook definitely had himself a game in that. Uh, in that peach bowl. Yeah, for sure. Um, No kidding. um, I think, I think it would be interesting to see how many of these guys end up getting drafted because NFL teams like these rankings always are like, you know, they rank the top two fifty guys. But once we get into day three, I feel like NFL teams have their own guys that they really are looking for there. And like, they, they know they're not going to like waste a early pick on them, but like nobody foresaw the Bengals, for example, drafting a kicker last year, you know? Yeah. So like, I, I think thank God they did thank the Lord that they did. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm interested to see how many get drafted. What would you say, Justin? Like how many, what's your guess? How many are going to get drafted? Bearcats. I'm going to say, I, I'm going to say seven. I think seven would probably be the over under through, you know what we've got NFL draft has seven rounds. I think that's a lot of room to work with. And actually we'll kind of get into this, but a lot of these boards have the Bearcats going pretty early. Um, and it's, you know, pretty much everybody is going through the first top 200 
you know, like you said, after the first, you know, two rounds, three rounds, everything really opens up. And like you said, it's not going to really come down to projections. It's going to be more down to what the best fit is or what people are really looking for. Um, but I, I really think that we could see at least, I would say at least four Bearcats go by the time we reach the fourth round. I think we can have four top three or four round one, two or three uh, guys coming out of this draft. And I don't like think four, that is four day one and day two guys. I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And, and well, and so kind of we'll jump with this while we're on it too. Um, and I'll quickly list these off CBS sports illustrated and ESPN CBS has sauce going at three Sanders at 53 cook at 70 uh, Ritter at 74 a little bit farther back um, Bryant at 112 Pierce at 137 Beavers at 153 Ford at 158 and then it goes all the way down to Brooks at 410 which I don't even know if 410 is a number that gets drafted I, I really I don't think that I don't think 30 times 7 adds up to that but also I'm horrible at math I think that adds up to 210 it'd be um, it'd be yeah, what it, times it, 7 it, is 21 30 team or, there's only 256 picks in the draft 256 so. How many teams are there? Thirty-two teams. There are thirty-two teams. Yes, I always think there's thirty. I don't know why that's the case. But regardless, the NFL was the only team with thirty-two because every other league had thirty. But yeah, just had to be different. So well, and going going on uh, to finish these out. Sports Illustrator had Illustrated has Sauce at seven, Ritter at forty-one. Very interesting here. Pierce at forty-two, back to back with Ritter and Pierce. Uh, Sanders at 55, Cook at 76, and Bryant at 100. And then last but not least, ESPN has Sauce as the number one corner, uh, going at number five. Dez as the number four QB. Um, and then, lo and behold, the Mickey Mouse fan club of Disney Plus, uh, ESPN Plus, Disney, Mega, fucking Jumbo, Gargantuan Company, bullshit that they try to enforce on top of all of us requires a subscription to see the names of players and in certain orders. So uh, <laughs> we don't know what the rest of those are, but <laughs> I think it's really interesting to see where a lot of the, these guys fall. I think the one that is going to be the biggest steal, everybody's talking about, you know, um, everybody's talking about like where Ritter's going to fall. Everybody wants to know, is sauce going to go like top five? Everybody wants to know where these are. The biggest steal for me, still probably my favorite Bearcat off of this team last year, Kobe. I want to know where Kobe's going to end up. And I, I really think that it's interesting that the guy who won the Jim Thorpe Award is falling so far back in, these, in this draft order. I mean, 112 puts him at round, a round four guy who was, you know, I mean player of the year award in your sole position. I don't see how you drop back to four. I mean, player of the year awards are going to be player of the year awards, but I don't know if maybe they saw something on his tape that they didn't like or what, but I feel like it's really odd that he is that far back because he is really talented. And because of the way sauce played this year, he had a lot of time and coverage and, and it'd be, you know, looking at the way that sauce brings so much of, you know, or it, the offense tries to stay away from him. He had so much time in game to really, you know, rack up those um, just defensive plays. I I just don't see how he's that far back. I think he's probably one of the most on ball experienced 
uh, defensive players that we've ever had come out of uh, yeah, a Bearcats it's program. It's crazy to me to think that like he's like not even going to get drafted like till maybe day three, and like this yeah. kind of surprising honestly because he was like the Jim Thorpe the the Jim Thorpe winner, the best corner, and yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just funny, but um. I'm I'm willing to believe that he could be just like a late value add for a team because I really think he's like motivated and he's willing to give a team a lot of a lot of like good good years and um I would love to like you know I know how much you love him and like he he's definitely like shown that he can be one of those guys that just really like shows out like and just says yeah. okay you guys disrespected me fine. I'm going to go out and I'm going to ball. So yeah, I'm interested to see how low he goes or how high he goes. And I would love to see him get picked up and just like, there might be like, I don't think I've watched the draft since the Joe Burrow draft night, Justin, but that yeah. might be a reason for me to watch the draft just because I can, uh, <laughs> I would be able to get like, see how many Bearcats get drafted. Yeah. Well, and I'm really going to be interested to see too, where like, um, like I think my J is like all over the place on these boards. I'd be really curious to see where he falls in that. And also like, I think, I think we have a pretty solid assurance that Des and sauce are going to go within the first two rounds. Um, I mean, sauce is certified first round. If he's not in the first round, I mean, you, you'd have to, I, I think that's just easy money. If there's any way to bet on that, he's going first round. <laughs> I don't think there's any board that would put him up there, but I think Pierce is going to be really interesting too. And I'd be interested to see what team he ends up with because he's definitely a weapon and a weapon to be respected. And I, I would be curious to see what team picks him up. I would not be against the Bengals picking up. We have a solid receiving core. We don't need a wide receiver to fill in, but hell, if you want to add somebody else, just throw them in the mix. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against the Bengals just drafting all of these Bearcats. It's actually, that's probably been one of my favorite memes that I've seen this whole season long um, is like all the Bearcats fans doing the NFL mock drafts. And I think like the funniest ones I've been seeing, like people trade Joe Burrow, every single draft pick we have, and then just take draft all the Bearcats in this year's draft. Yeah. But I, I, do you what it, what do you think the over under is on the Bengals picking up one bear cat of any kind? Um, I'll say if you set it at a half, uh, zero point five of Bearcats players drafted by the Bengals, I'll put it at one. I'll put it at the over. Um, okay, I would say probably be like maybe be Kobe in those late rounds because like the we yeah. do need a corner like the Bengals do need a corner and like I, I could see them looking at Kobe and wanting yeah. to keep him home but um I'd be interested in seeing if like there's another spot for him like I know the Raiders like the the Raiders beat writer was uh, putting up a article saying that uh he could be drafted there by um by by the Raiders so like in the third round so yeah I don't know I'm interested to see where he ends up but um, I really want to just see where Curtis and Maja end up. It looks like they're not going to get drafted, but like if they don't, then like I want to see where they go because like they, I think they could really play in this league for a while. I, I'm, I don't know. I mean, you said you looked at the NFL's like website for their draft board. 
Yes, yeah, and they they, they had a, a a draft grade on my J. It was like a five and a half, which I guess is like not draftable. I don't understand that because every single draft board I've seen, he's within the top one hundred, and a lot of these he's in with the top like sixty. So I'd say personally, I think that Sanders goes by. I think he is one of those that we talked about, uh, one of those four Bearcats that would go within the first three or three rounds. I don't, I don't, I just don't see the possibility of him not going, going undrafted. I mean, I, I he is way too talented for that. I don't see how that's at all possible. Two hundred fifty six players, and you're going to tell me that Myjay Sanders is not going to end up in that mix? Not possible. I would put some money on that. I'd put some serious money on that. <laughs> be kind of surprising, honestly. You know, like I would be like kind of shocked. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too, that we do have to keep in mind, too, is there's, even if, like, a lot of these guys that we're hoping to get drafted don't end up getting drafted, all of these guys are going to end up on training camp teams. All of these guys are going to end up somewhere. Because, um, I mean, I, I look at, like, you know, uh, 2018 when, you know, or I guess not, was it 2019? Man, how long? I guess 2019, yeah, when Warren left. We had a couple, you know, O-line guys. We had a couple um, edge guys and defensive guys, but... Um, even if everybody didn't get drafted, like some, they usually ended up in a training camp somewhere. Like Mike ended up, uh, not getting drafted, had its historic season, but ended up with the, um, Eagles, um, training team. And, you know, I, I, I think all these guys will find a place somewhere. So regardless, we have been talking for a long time. So I think this is a good point to wrap it up. Um, do you have any closing thoughts? Uh, no, just wanted to say it's been, uh, good to get to talk to you, you know, for a little bit. I, I'm missing Cincinnati a little bit every now and then, and good to get to talk to you about like what's going on in Clifton and stuff. So, um, yeah. I don't know, man, it's just like a cool time to be a fan of both teams. I feel like uh, it's, we were lucky to have two programs that are like pretty good and not like absolutely terrible. Like, yeah. Both, we're we're not ex- strictly a football school or a basketball school anymore, despite the jokes. Like I think, there's it's cool to be able to talk about both teams and be able to like see that like oh yeah we have like uh, two decent teams that to talk about at all times. So I yeah. don't know, pretty cool. We're a program, no longer just one, no longer just one team. That's program. that is a nice way to look at things, and and I think that's one thing that you know growing up our whole lives it was always a trade off. Basketball is hot. Football was not. Football is hot. Basketball is not. So <laughs> it is a good point, and I I do agree. And I'm you know glad that we're in that position now. Hopefully that uh, stays that way. And our transition to the Big Twelve. A lot of these big names moving on. A lot of these big names hopefully coming in. Again, um, I don't know who you are, but if you happen to be the person who is uh, the bag man uh, within Cincinnati, um, shell it out, man. <laughs> Give What's it to Rayvon and Isaiah. Just, just get them in here. I don't care what you have to do. But come on now, help us out. <laughs> Anyways, thank you guys for tuning in to this week's episode. Um, it'll probably be we might actually come out with a episode next week because the draft um, with everything happening probably happen once all seven rounds go. Um, but again, it'll be interesting to see where these Bearcats fall um, and see where they end up. So. Again, one more time, thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on Twitter. And uh, keep following us on Spotify or Apple Pods. Uh, Take care, and go Bearcats. Go Bearcats.